We're live. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Matthew Paris Show. I'm your host, Matthew Paris. Before we get started, make sure you hit that little subscribe button right in the corner there on the Matthew Paris Show. It's always a great time here on the Matthew Paris Show. We we talk sports, what's happening in sporting news, and there is apparently a lot happening in sporting news. So let's get right into it. Let's talk about the college football playoffs. It was recently announced yesterday that the 12 members, or excuse me, 13 members of the college football playoff selection committee had made their choices. Um, let's see here. A college football playoff in the Rose Bowl. The uh, It's going to be number one, Michigan, against number four, Alabama. Jim Harbaugh versus Nick Saban. So that's going to be in the Rose Bowl. Uh, in the uh, 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 All-State Sugar Bowl, we have the Washington Huskies versus the Texas Longhorns, number two versus number three. Uh, good matchup. Let's see what happens here. It will all come down to those games. It will all come down to the January 8th meeting of the national championship in Houston, Texas, my hometown, on January 8th. But guess what? There is some uh, controversy surrounding the college football playoffs. Uh, this was reported in Grapevine, Texas. It was between 1.30 and 2 a.m. Central Time on Sunday after the conference championship games when the 13 members of the college football playoff selection committee finally left their meeting room. They had been, uh, they had been there for hours and they determined the top four teams in the country. They know what they could potentially wind up with and it didn't feel good. As difficult as it was for them to remove their emotions from the process, the sinking feeling about excluding an undefeated Power 5 conference champion was tampered by the belief that they did what they were to, task, to, do, to do the task, vote for the four best teams. All of us had the emotional tie, like, holy cow, this is really going to suck to do this, one committee member told ESPN. We talked about that over and over, and we just kept coming back to, are they good enough? And what did they have to win a national championship? And it just kept coming back to, didn't think they could. We didn't think they could win the national championship. Now, who, which team are they talking about? Well, of course, they are talking about the Florida State Seminoles. The Florida State Seminoles went 13-0 and this season, right? They are not in the college football playoffs, as I announced earlier. Um, there wasn't any discussion about the SEC being left out because the committee maintains when it talks about teams, not conferences. There wasn't any serious consideration to include Alabama without Texas because there was so much respect in the room for the Longhorns. Week two, uh, Longhorns week two win in Tuscaloosa. There also wasn't enough support in the room to the deem Georgia unequivocally one of the four best teams in the country. The standard for teams that don't win their conference titles. Okay, now you have to remember the Texas Longhorns are the Big 12 champions, right? So they won their conference title. Uh, Washington won their conference title. You know, Michigan won. They're undefeated. They won their conference title. And Alabama won the SEC championship. They won their conference title against the number one team in the nation, the Georgia Bulldogs. So, uh, you know, they did what the best they had. Do I agree with this decision? I, I think it's probably the best, but let's keep on let's keep on looking at this. Instead, the crux of the debate into the wee hours of Sunday morning center on how to evaluate Florida State, which beat Louisville with its third-string quarterback, after both both Jordan Travis and his backup, Tate Roadmaker, were sidelined by injuries. They had the third string quarterback in there to win the try to win the conference title championship game, and they did it. They succeeded at that. Uh, while the Seminoles defense impressed the committee and had all year, <clears throat> there were significant concerns about FSU's offense. 
Undefeated Michigan had won the Big Ten championship. Undefeated Washington won the Pac-12. By the way, the Pac-12 is not going to be around next season. Alabama knocked off the selection committee's number one team in Georgia to win the SEC. And one lost Texas, which easily won the Big 12, had knocked off the SEC champion back in September. I believe that's week two. I believe I got that correct. Texas lost a Red River shootout to, uh, to Oklahoma. So that's how they got their one loss. And now Florida State have found a way to win again. It was a final layer of complication of what was already the most difficult, controversial decision of any college football playoff committee has had to make it a decade of the 14 playoff. Never before has an undefeated Power 5 conference champion been excluded from the CFP, but never before have seven Power 5 teams finished a regular season of one or fewer losses. We've had had a year with eight teams at top as good as these are, and the five conference champions, one through five. We've never had it come out the way. CFP Executive Director Bill Hancock said, My feeling is probably was the toughest. This is what CFP Executive Director Bill Hancock said. For half of the days on conference championship game week, the CFP selection can be hidden in plain sight. While families clad in Christmas-themed clothes infiltrated the sprawling Gaylord Texan Resort for its annual ice sculpture exhibit, the most powerful people of college football went nearly unnoticed, save for one cardboard sign bearing the CFP logo. Uh, that some fans paused to look at the exited elevator ahead to their rooms. Is Bama in? One man asked the security guard sitting on a stool outside the meeting room Saturday night after the Tide's SEC championship win against number one Georgia. The, the guard just shrugged. As it turned out, one loss Bama was in at the expense of undefeated ACC champion Florida State. <coughs> Excuse me. It was an unprecedented decision that sparked outrage throughout the sport. Florida State University coach Mike Norvell said he was he was disgusted and infuriated. ACC Commissioner Jim Phillips said it's unfathomable. Travis, the Seminoles injured quarterback, said he wished he had broken his leg earlier in the season so the committee could have seen the team was still great without him. The committee is steadfast in its belief it got the decision right. At the end of the day, everybody had the same goal in mind. Do we have the four best teams, a committee member said, and we all felt pretty good that we do. It wasn't until the ACC championship game began to unfold through that the members' opinion began to truly take shape. They grew group concerned as uh, watched the Knowles struggle to get a first down in the first half. There is a section in the committee's protocol that specifically refers to the unavailability of key players. Uh, this is a good, good, uh, good question for this that for you guys. You know, what do you guys think about this? It may have affected a team's performance during the season, or likely will affect its postseason performance. That allows the committee to do something that intentionally avoids every other week. Look ahead. People really want to talk about it. Committee members said we don't really have the conversation while we're watching games. But we are got to talk about the elephant in the room. <coughs> what just happened, we talked about 13-0. and 0. We talked about the teams they beat, and they were a conference champ, all of that. It looked great. Uh, so, yeah. <coughs> Excuse me, I got a little cough here. So... Uh, the question is for you guys. You know, what do you think about this? What do you think about the college football playoffs? Do you think uh, this is right now? You know, we talked about head coach Mike Norvell of Florida State Seminoles. <coughs> um, we talked about some other stuff. However, there is controversy surrounding the college football playoffs. There is talk of Mike Norvell and Florida State athletic director possibly suing the college football playoff selection committee. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't, 
let's see what happens here. So uh, 13-0, powerhouse for the Power 5. But you, the problem is you have another Power 5 in there that have one loss or fewer that are in the playoffs, you know, with Washington, Texas, Alabama, and Michigan. Michigan is actually undefeated. But the uh, it's a tough, tough decision. Another one, too, is that um, there is a clause in the college football uh, selection committee that I didn't know about until I heard about this yesterday, is that there is a thing where Florida State has lost some of its key players, lost some of their stars, and they've lost uh, their first two quarterbacks. Their, uh, their starting quarterback, who everybody knows, uh, Jordan Travis, and they lost uh, the second straight quarterback. So... What how's it come down to marketing if they make it to the national title game, or what happens if they go to they go play against Michigan in the Rose Bowl and they and Michigan ends up being a fifty and nothing? You have to take that into consideration, right? So playoffs has always been kind of like zero zero again. Playoffs is a different beast than it is a regular season, and uh, you know college football like professional sports what's their what's to market their brand around star athletes you know quarterbacks running backs receivers that you know right it doesn't want to brand it around you know backup people that nobody knows so it gets to be a problem there around if if it's time to go to national championship that's just the politics of it that's how the real world sometimes operates in business and politics and whatnot because politics is in everything so um yeah, but the question, the question, guys, is for you. What do you think about the selection of the uh, college football playoffs? Just hit your little um, little uh, subscribe button right down there and just hit the comment section. Please let me know what you think about this uh, college football playoffs. So here we go again. About three hours ago, this was reported by CBS Sports and ESPN that the Heisman Trophy finalists have been announced. We have Jaden Daniels. Michael Penix Jr., Bo Nix, and Marvin Harrison Jr. head to New York. The 2023 Heisman Trophy finals were announced on Monday night, and the field is loaded with college football's most outstanding talents. It was uh, announced uh, before the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars game tonight, Monday Night Football. Uh, let's see who, who got nominated. LSU quarterback Jaden Daniels. Oregon quarterback Bo Nix. Washington quarterback Michael Penix Jr. and Ohio State wide receiver Marvin Harrison Jr. will be headed to New York for the ceremony on Saturday night. This is one of the most intriguing races we've had in recent memory, unlike last year when USC's Kayla Williams ran away from the field. All of these players have vowed the college football world in a variety of different ways, including their high-caliber play, impact to their team's overall success, and pure value based on what the potential drop-off would be without them in the lineup. Let's take a closer look at their respective resumes. Jaden Daniels, who's quarterback for LSU Tigers. Daniels put up video game numbers similar to those of 2019 Heisman Trophy winner LSU quarterback Joe Burrow. Who remembers that one, right? Who led his team to a national title. This year's Tigers didn't win so much as, as the SEC West, but Daniels has evaluated himself and those around him with 3,812 yards passing, 11 of 34 yards rushing, and 50 touchdowns. Daniels... <coughs> Daniels, the former starter at Arizona State, had 372 yards passing with 234 yards rushing and the 52-35 win over Florida on November 11th. That made him the first player in FBS history to throw for at least 350 yards and rush for at least 200 yards in the same game. Uh, let's take a look at Bo Nix, quarterback, Oregon, the Oregon Ducks. 
Dix did all that he could he could do to get the Ducks into the college football playoffs, but fell just short of the Pac-12 championship game, lost to Washington. However, that shouldn't take away from what was a tremendous season. Nix threw for 4,145 yards, rushed for 228 yards, tossed 40 touchdowns, and ran for six more for a team that went 11-2 and finished number eight in the final college football playoff rankings. Nix, the former star at Auburn before he entered the transfer portal, threw for more than 400 yards in back-to-back games in November and tossed 10 combined touchdowns and wins over USC and Arizona State. Let's look at Michael Penix Jr. He's a quarterback over at Washington. The 6'3", 213-pound senior led the Huskies to a perfect season. The Pac-12 title and the birth of the college football playoff is the number two seed. <coughs> In a year when the Pac-12 posted parity in the high-level QB play, Penix threw for 4,218 yards and 33 touchdowns. For a Huskies team that burst into a national scene out of a loaded conference, Penix, a former star of Indiana, finished the regular season as a nation's leading passer with 325.5 yards per game, an honor he also earned last season when he averaged 357 yards per game through the air. Uh, not so bad. Let's take a look at Marvin Harris Jr., wide receiver, the Ohio State Buckeyes. Uh, the Billikoff Award finalist caught 67 passes for 1,211 yards and 14 touchdowns for a Buckeyes team that entered rivalry weekend with an unblemished record prior to falling to Michigan. His 14 receiving touchdowns are tied for the second most in the nation, as he did while playing on one of the most loaded wide receiver rooms in the country. <coughs> Harrison, a six foot four thousand two hundred five, or excuse me, six foot four, two hundred five pound junior, will likely be one of the top wide receiver prospects leading up to the 2024 NFL Draft. Should he decide to forego his remaining college eligibility? Uh, so listen. Those are our Heisman Trophy finals, our 2023 Heisman Trophy finals. They will all be in New York on Saturday night. Uh, we wish them all the best. Who do I think is going to win? Well, I think Marvin Harrison has the best shot for Ohio State Buckeyes. Um, you heard the passing yards. He's a wide receiver. He could catch. He could run. He could, uh, he's got great footwork. He could juke. He could cut. I think he has, uh, and I said the stats earlier, I think he has the best time to really do it. And I think he... Uh, if it was me, I would say he's a front runner. Now, any one of these guys could possibly win out. Any one of these guys could possibly win out. But we'll we'll see what happens here. But the question, guys, the question is for you. Who do you think is going to uh going to win the Heisman Trophy? Is it gonna be Bo Nix from Oregon? Is it gonna be Jay Daniels from LSU? Is it gonna be Marvin Harrison from uh Ohio State Buckeyes? Or is it gonna be Michael Penix Jr. from Washington? Uh, only time will tell, so we'll see what happens there. Uh, let's see. Let's move on. Let's move on real quick. Let's move on to uh, let's move on to some NFL football action, shall we? Uh, the Steelers. The picket has ankle injuries. Should return this season, right? <coughs> so Steelers. Mike Tomlin says QB Kenneth Pickett's ankle injury is a season ending. Steelers quarterback Kenny Pickett will not play a Pittsburgh game against the Patriots on Thursday after undergoing surgery on his high ankle sprain, Coach Mike Tomlin announced on Monday. The injury occurred Sunday during the team's 24-10 loss to the Cardinals. Although Pickett will not play this season, he uh, he's on injured reserve, and the plans for him to return to field within a month. That would potentially leave Pickett in line to return for Pittsburgh's season finale on the road against the Ravens in Week 18. Pickett, who had been dealing with the ankle soreness for several weeks, suffered an ankle sprain midway through the second quarter of the Steelers' loss to the Cardinals. 
Pickett scrambled forward on a third down near Pittsburgh's goal line. Drove for the end zone when Cardinals defensive lineman Jonathan Ledbetter grabbed his left ankle from behind while making the tackle. Pickett left the game and was later ruled out of the contest. Backup quarterback Mitchell Trubisky stepped in as Pittsburgh's signal caller and will likely be the starter of Pickett's absence. However, ESPN's Ab Schefter reported that Pittsburgh signed Tracy McSorley to his practice squad. So Mike Tomlin's already building. Uh, see, he's going to be his quarterback. His starting quarterback is out. Um, yeah, so we'll uh, we'll see what ha- we'll see what happens there. Let's see here. Many people for the NFL MVP have different reasons or t- who think differently about who's going to be the NFL MVP. Some people think C.J. Stroud will be the rookie, the second rookie ever to be an MVP. Um, I think he is a lock for Rookie of the Year. However, another guy is San Francisco 49ers Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy doesn't think he's the man, though, even though some people have said that. This is reported from Sports Illustrated. San Francisco quarterback wasn't thinking about getting revenge after his injury in last year's NFC title game. Instead, the point the point guard of the 49ers' scary offense at NFL's best roster is focused on a bigger prize, which is probably the Super Bowl. Sunday very easily could have been emotional for Brock Purdy. He could have taken the early bus to Lincoln Financial Field and walked the grass a couple hours before the game. He could have tried recounting tearing up his throwing elbow at last year's NFC Championship to get the memory rattled free before kickoff. He could have taken time to reflect on just how far he'd come in 10 months since his injury. The 23-year-old could have done all those things, but he didn't. Because Sunday for Purdy wasn't about last year for his team, so it wasn't even going to be about the personality either. San Francisco's game against the Eagles was about the future of the Niners, not about the past. It was week 13 for me, Purdy told me over the phone as he was getting ready to leave Philly. I didn't want to get too caught up in this as the revenge tour or anything like that. I wanted to go in, execute for my boys, obviously win the game. We have a bunch of crucial games coming up to finish off the season. That's where I was at. If I got caught up and I need to get my revenge on these guys, I don't think I would have been as focused and detailed as I needed to be. Whatever he did worked because the Niners showed why so many rival coaches and scouts think they're no better roster in the NFL. And as Purdy said, it's about what a team has that's been in three of the last four NFC title games goes next, right? So, uh, yeah, so what does Brock Purdy think about you know, this game that he just beat, beat the Philadelphia Eagles pretty good in. You know, so he's aiming higher. He's aiming for a Super Bowl playoff berth and a Super Bowl, right? So, you know, we'll see what the Niners and and, uh, and Brock Purdy do in the uh, in the uh, playoffs once they get there. We'll see what, what, uh, what happens there. Let's move on. Let's talk about my Houston Texans for a minute. Some bad news happened to Houston, Texas, even though they won their game. Uh, they won their game against uh, 22-17 against a, uh, against a okay-type team, the Denver Broncos, right? So, uh, but the bad news is that breakout, the Texas wide receiver Tank Dell is now out for the season with a left broken ankle. Uh, he broke his fibula. Texas wide receiver Tank Dell had season-ending surgery on Monday, a day after injuring his leg in Houston's win over the Denver Broncos. Here's what head coach D'Amico Ryans announced the news to reporters a day after NFL Network's Ian Rappaport reported that Dell sustained a fractured fibula. He'll be out for the rest of the season, Ryans told reporters. He had successful surgery this morning, and he's on to a speed recovery. Our prayers are with Tank, and our thoughts are with him. 
He's been such an inspiration for our team, just a incredible young man, happy for the season he had as a rookie and the impact he had as a person and a player of our organization. Expect to get him back before next offseason program. Dale left Sunday's 22-17 victory on a card after his injury on a goal line when Davey appears ran in that touchdown up the middle. Dale listed at 5'10 and 165 pounds lined up in the slot on second and goal from the three-yard line. He ran over the middle to block for Damian Pierce at the goal line. As Pierce reached the end zone on a touchdown round, Dale's body got twisted over the top of Pierce and his left leg pinned under a pile of players. That's what broke the fibula. He remained on the ground after score and was carted off the field minutes later. He was in obvious pain as his Texas teammates surrounded him on the field. The Texas initially listed him as questionable with an ankle injury before ruling him out at halftime. Okay. Uh, the injury is a tough blow for the Texans and Dell, who had emerged as a preferred target of quarterback C.J. Stroud, the overwhelming favorite to win Rookie of the Year honors. Uh, through 10 games entering Sunday, Dale tallied 47 catches for 709 yards with seven touchdowns. His yardage total was second on team to Nico Collins, 800, while he led the Texas two touchdowns from scrimmage. The Texans entered Sunday in the thick of the AFC playoff picture at 6-5, thanks in large part to the explosive passing game that C.J. Stroud does. With Dell sideline, the Texans will need to look more to Collins, Noah Brown, and Robert Woods in the passing game. Brown was activated Sunday after missing the previous two games with a knee injury, so Texans have some players that are out with injuries, including Dalton Schultz. The Texans managed to hold off for the win despite Dell's injury. The Broncos nearly got back into the game, but couldn't complete the comeback, giving the Texans a narrow 22-17 win. So what does that mean for the uh, Houston Texans? I think they're going to be fine. Do I think they're going to make the playoffs? I don't know. I think they win maybe, at first, I had them winning six to eight games at the start of the season. Now I'm thinking nine games, and they barely missed the playoffs. They missed a wild card spot. Which, though, is still not bad considering last season when they won three games, right? So, uh, you know, a couple years ago, Houston was a city with no hope for their football team, and now they have a little bit of hope. If the Texans could stay healthy within the next two seasons, they're going to be a force to be reckoned with. We'll see if they be a, they could be a Super Bowl contender because I know the city of Houston deserves a Super Bowl. Um, so, yeah, so we'll see what happens there. Uh, but listen, we wish Tank Dell all the best. Our prayers are out to him. He'll make a speedy recovery. He'll come back next season. So, uh, yeah. Let's move on real quick to C.J. Stroud. Uh CJ Stroud, uh, of course, you know quarterback. I think he's a lock for rookie of the season, rookie of the year. I think he's a, uh, I think he's a long shot for MVP, especially if Texas don't make the playoffs. But the game against Denver this past December third, the yards he threw for two hundred seventy four yards, one touchdown, and zero interceptions, with a passer rating of one hundred six point one. So it's you know those stats are okay. But, uh, you know, he needs to throw for some more yards and stuff like that. He needs to lead his team, which he does. And we'll see what happens there. Do I think he wins MVP? I know a lot of people I've talked to have said, oh, he's got to be the front runner. I don't think so. I think there are other players that stand out. But I do think he's a lot for Rookie of the Year. Now, looking towards the future, I think D'Amico Ryans has his team um, getting on page. All the players love CJ. They're going to... Follow him, and that's what CJ is. He's a really good leader. He's got a, he's got a great IQ for the uh, for the game and he all, the football game. And he also a uh, very spiritual guy, very religious guy, which is good too. We could use some more of that in society. So, uh, so yeah. So we'll see what happens there. 
And uh, yeah, guys, that's about it for this episode of the Matthew Parrish Show. Listen, before we go, make sure you hit that subscribe button. It's always a great time here on the Matthew Parrish Show. And I will see you guys very, very, very soon. All right, guys? All right, you guys, take care. All right.